You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Make room. Everybody say, make room. Okay, this is a study on the Holy Spirit. We make room for His presence. Basically, what we're doing is we are stepping aside so that He can be in charge and take over. This is week number four. Okay, everybody say week number four. Speaking of four, you know, please remember this statistics. Okay, this is a very important weekly stat. Okay, a very important stat that you have to remember, okay, 4-0, okay, 4-0, and that represents uh, the back-to-back champions uh, in the NBA Finals, go Warriors, okay, but anyway, I just want to uh, just insert that in my message, okay, if you're a LeBron James fan, you just, just, just pray for him, okay, I know that he will find the Lord, okay. Uh, and uh, one day he will find the right team. Speaking of weekend, we also had what you call Parenting Summit last Friday. We had over 800 parents who attended, uh, not just parents, but I also realized that there were several single people who were there, uh, actually a lot of millennials who were there. And this is about uh, parenting in the digital age. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because of our topic this afternoon. And one of the things that we talked about is that uh, there are different generations that will actually be represented by the year 2020. We're actually, what, 2018 already. And in two years' time, we will find that in the workplace, there will not be just four generations, but five generations, uh, different generations of people uh, representing the workforce. Okay, Our first generation will be those who were born between 1900 to 1945, and those are the traditionalists. Those are probably the owners of the business. Uh, then you've got the baby boomers, maybe also the owners, uh, the senior uh, managers, 1945 to about 1965. And then in the middle generation, you've got the Generation X. Okay, how many of you are from that generation? Okay, if you are singing Buttercup, okay, you belong to that generation. Okay, I'm talking to you. Okay, so those are the generations born from 1965 to about 1974. And there's a big generation after that, 74 to about 1996. And you call this the Generation Y or the Millennials. How many of you are a part of the Millennial Generation? Please raise your hand. And say, woohoo! Yeah, okay? Yes, okay? Don't be embarrassed, okay? Uh, and so, right after that is what you call now a new generation called the iGens. Okay? And this will be, you know, these are the uh, people who are representing the new uh, generation that are the most high tech of its kind. Okay? So, who is the iGen? These are kids between the age of six and 23. They fall into a generation now getting labeled as post millennial or Gen Z, or iGen, or Centennials. It is the most digitally connected and smartphone-addicted generation. How many of you have a smartphone already if you're a young kid, okay? Most of the smartphones, by the way, are actually hand-me-downs from mom and dad. After they finish their contract with Smart or Globe, they get those smartphones, okay? So iGeners were born after the internet was commercialized in 1995. Possibly they are the most were more depressed than the previous generations. And this is a reality nowadays, okay? They feel more lonely 
and not needed. In fact, one of the psychologists in the States interviewed a particular girl from the iGen, and this is what she said uh, about uh, the way they respond to uh, the iPhones and the need for technology. That is just the way our generation is, this young girl was saying. We didn't have a choice to know any life without iPads or iPhones. I think we like our iPhones more than we like actual people. I mean, that's coming from this young girl, I think, uh, in her uh, tweens or, or preteens age. Uh, one of my uh, friends who's a pastor also, pastoring another congregation in Metro Manila, was just sharing to me also the reality of how the young generations nowadays are really the most connected. They are always online. And so one time he was grounding one of his children first grounding, he said, you cannot go out anymore. And the child said, okay. No effect. Second grounding, I'm not going to give you your allowance. Okay. No effect. Third grounding, he said, I'm going to take your iPhone and iPads and I'm going to close down the Wi-Fi in the house. He was devastated because of that thing. Because they are somehow getting their, you know, uh, feeding or relationships uh, right outside the home. The sad reality is this is an effect of fatherlessness. And, you know, we have seen and heard uh, many uh, instances wherein people get depressed. You know, just I was talking to one of our members as well who was sharing uh, that he just came from a funeral of a teenager who committed suicide uh, because of such. You know, we hear this word nowadays, this word called depression. How many of you have heard of depression? Okay? Even our storm is called tropical depression, okay? So it's always, it's out there, okay? Uh, We are inundated by this word. And we've heard also the sad news that even uh, big names like Kate Spade and uh, Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. We don't know the reason. Uh, if they went through such depression or maybe, I don't know what happened. Uh, But, you know, this is becoming a reality. And we see this. The reason why I'm sharing this is because this is the effect of fatherlessness. And this is exactly what our topic is right now. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that introduces and gives us the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. Yet we see a generation outside the church, actually sometimes even in the church, that seemingly is okay in the external, but yet internally they are in need of relationship. They're so familiar with virtual relationships, but yet the actual relationships they cannot handle. You know, one of the organizations in the U.S. called National Center for Fathering uh, said that the consequences of fatherlessness are the following. Poverty, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, physical and emotional health, lack of educational achievement, the presence of crime, sexual activity, and also teen uh, pregnancy. If the fathers are not around, and many times they may be around, but yet they are not engaging. That's really the problem of fatherlessness in our society nowadays. Uh, They may be in the house, but yet the kids are not engaging with their parents or their fathers because they are engaging with the net or engaging with their friends in the net. And so the relationships built are like dysfunctional relationships inside the home. Even in the Philippines, we have this such a problem. The website Uprising or United Prayer Rising Philippines said this, Our youth today is under attack and Filipinos are not exempted. 
With advancing technology and the vanishing father-child connection, we are witnessing a generation raised by the media. Young people are losing their sense of identity and destiny. Instead, they are bound to lust, sexual immorality, abortion, dysfunctional families, and even child abuse and exploitation. In fact, some of the data that we can get from that particular website is this. Ten Filipino teenagers attempt to commit suicide every day. How many of you know that is a sad reality? And you know, you may actually know some friends who are going through such depression. And so I want to just pause here. If you are in need of counseling, please don't just do anything. You know, if you are depressed, feeling down, lonely, guess what? There is always hope. Amen. There's always hope in the Lord. Contact someone. Call a friend. Contact our church. Okay? 771-1212. Look for people that we want to help you. If this is more than what uh, the pastors or the counselors can handle, we can refer you to professional people. But, you know, just Call out for help. Amen. Another thing is one woman or child is being raped in the Philippines every 53 minutes. A a sad reality. 800,000 babies are being aborted in the country, in the Philippines. This is where we are. This is where we live. The 7,000 plus 100 islands. 800,000 babies, sad to say, are being aborted in the country every year. 130,000 children in the Philippines are living on the streets because of abandonment, because of an orphan spirit and fatherlessness. How many of you know that we need the Holy Spirit to impart to us a spirit of sonship and a spirit of the Father? Amen. And that's exactly what we're crying out for. We're crying out for the Spirit of the Father to come. We're crying out that we will be able to uh, be raised up uh, in this nation, understanding our, our identity as Christians and believers that you and I are sons and you're no longer slaves. Amen. Look at the person beside you. Tell the person you are a child of God. Okay, you're precious. You know, we need to hear that coming from God Himself. And so that's our topic for this afternoon. If you have your Bibles, please open to the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. And we'll be reading two verses, actually two scriptures, passages of scripture. uh, One from Galatians and one from Romans chapter 8. Okay, so Romans, I'm going to post it here. But Galatians, please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem. Everybody say, redeem. Those who were under the law so that we might receive Adoption. Everybody say adoption. Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now let's all read this out loud. Romans chapter 8, a similar passage from the book of Romans. Ready? One, two, three. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we thank you for being here. You are the mighty God that cares for your people. You are the initiator and the founder of the church. We thank you that you are the spirit of the Father, the spirit of the Son, and the one who brings a spirit of adoption as sons to us. And Lord, we thank you that you will uh, be glorified even as you talk about, uh, Lord, what it is to be called a son and not a slave. Father, I pray that you would remove uh, a slave mentality from us, knowing that you have freed us from the past and also that you have accepted us and you have given us rights as an heirs as heirs with Christ. We thank you, Lord God. Bless the preaching of your word. And once again, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, how many of you would agree with me that fatherhood is very important? There is a specific role of dads that they play. And I know that next week is Father's Day, okay? We're looking at this. Because this is not really talking about the father, but this is talking about the spirit of a son. And that we understand that as a child of God, what are our rights and what are our responsibilities as such? Now, how many of you are Christians? Please raise your hand. You are a Christian. You call yourself a Christian. Okay? Come on. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Okay? Yes. Okay. And let me ask you this. How do you define a Christian? What is a Christian? Follower of Christ, that's good. Okay. A disciple of Jesus, that's good. That's a Christian, right? Uh, you know, a Christian, they say that a Christian bears the name of Christ. Without Christ, take away Christ, I-A-N, I am nothing. So we're carrying, we're Christ barriers. Uh, although there's one theologian who defined what a Christian is, and his name is J.I. Packer, and he's a theologian, a British theologian, and he said, what is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, such as what we've received earlier, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. In other words, we are designed to live in a family. Our highest privilege and deepest need is to experience the Holy God as our what? As our loving Father to approach Him without fear and to be assured of His fatherly care and concern. I so agree with this statement. We need to have a greater revelation of the Father heart of God for us and who we are before Him, that we are sons and daughters, children of God, children of the King. If you're a daughter, that you're also part of this, okay? Although we're reading sons, 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 you're as much as part, a part of this. If as Christians, we only view God as a master and that we are slaves or servants, how many of you know that that is an incomplete view of who our God is? Yes, He is master. Yes, He is king. Yes, He is you know, Lord over our lives. That is what is presented by Peter uh, you know, in Acts chapter 2. And the people, when they were hearing the first uh, inaugural sermon of Peter, they were all cut to the heart because of what they have done to Christ. But yet, if you would study the Scriptures closely, particularly the Gospels, Jesus, when He was walking here on earth, there was one agenda that He came for. And of course, 
Now, one agenda is to seek and save the lost, but at the same time, he was here to introduce to the people who the Heavenly Father is. His task as a son is to point us to the Father. And that is an unknown, that is a mystery for the Jews, and that is a a shocking revelation for the Jews. When Jesus was saying, you know, my Father... And my father, they were saying blasphemy because they're saying, how can this guy say that God is his father? You know, the God that we know is the God who created all this. The God that we know is the God that created all the heavens and the earth. How can Jesus, this man who's walking here, say that God is our father? You know, if we don't have a revelation of our father, then we are stuck with this slavery or uh, slave mindset or mentality, and we're always going to be living out in fear or in guilt or out of in condemnation and in, even in loneliness or depression. That is the impact and the effect of living with the spirit of a slave. First thing is we have been redeemed. Everybody say redeemed. You and I have been redeemed from slavery. You know, and we find that you know, in what we have just read in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 15, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. Now, how many of us are led by the Spirit of God? Amen. Okay, I hope you and I are led by the Spirit of God and not by another spirit. Okay? But the Bible says, if you are led by the Spirit of God, and that is a proof that you are a son of God. But you also see that there's another thing here. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So here we can see that you can either be a son or a slave. The question for us this afternoon is, are we a son or are we a slave? How do we, you know, how do we understand what sonship is all about? How do we understand what slavery is all about? I realize that you and I may be attending church and still have the mindset of a slave. You know, trying to perform and trying to to please the Father just so that, you know, out of our actions. And it says here, uh, slavery brings us back to fear. And if you look at this word closely, fear comes from the word phobos. How many of you are familiar with phobos? Okay? Phobos is where you get the word phobia. Okay? Fear. Okay? And this is not fear of you know, spiders or fear of snake or fear of darkness or, you know, whatever kind. This is fear of God. The fear of coming to, to God Himself. And the Apostle Paul is clarifying that, you know, we need to be freed from that mentality because God wants us to come to Him just as we are because of our relationship with Christ. So it means to flee or to withdraw. I mean, that's basically what it means. The reason why you're fearful is because you want to get away from God. If you're in trouble, or maybe you've done something that's bad, you know, you want to run away from, from God. How I many of you have children who have done something wrong and they don't want, they're not excited that you will come home that evening? Whether they broke a vase or they disobeyed mom and mom said, you know, wait till your father gets home. How many of you know that your kids will pray, Lord, I pray that my father will not come home? Parang ganon, okay? Because of the fear. And sometimes we approach God with that mentality of fear because of guilt, because of sin, because of us still living in the past, because of not measuring up. Another way of looking at it is fleeing because of the feeling of inadequacy. We're not able to measure up. 
you know, this is where the slave mentality is coming in. You know, remember the, the prodigal son story. When Jesus was sharing the parable of the prodigal son, you know the story of the prodigal son. This young son basically asked for the inheritance from his dad, squandered it, spent everything there, came back, went to the father, and said, I finished everything, and so I don't deserve to be a son. I just consider me one of your slaves. And what did the father do? The father said, come here, gave him a big hug, ran towards him, put a robe on his back, a nice ring on his finger, and placed sandals on his feet. And the last thing is, he killed a fattened calf for the son who was a sinful son coming back asking for forgiveness. How many of you know that there is not just one son, but two sons of the father? The older son, when he heard about the celebration and the party and the sound in the house. You know, he was coming outside in the field and he was hearing this sound and he was asking the sound of the service, what's happening here? Your brother came back because you know, he was lost but now he was found. And so he went to the father and he was not at all happy. You know what the statement of this older son was? Luke chapter 15 don't you realize that I have been slaving it out for you? He used the word slave. I have been slaving it out for you, and I have never disobeyed your order. The mentality of this older son was he thinks that he is a son just because his grades are always perfect. Just because he's not disobeying his dad. Just because he is actually serving and slaving it out for his father. He had a slave mentality. We can actually come to church and we can be here and raise our hands and be part of the community but yet still have this slave mentality because what we're saying is, Lord, is this enough already? What, I've, you know, what I'm doing right now, you know, I've joined several uh, you know, groups. You know, I, I want to serve in the ministry. I've given this. You know, I've served this. And, you know, it's all about us trying to please the Father. And there's nothing wrong with serving. Don't get me wrong. We're even asking for your help many times. But if our mindset and mentality is to win the approval of the Father just because we're serving, we're on a wrong road. We can never measure up. The Bible says... The only standard of the Father is perfection. How many of you are perfect? Please raise your hand. We can never be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Jesus has done the perfect record on our behalf. We come into the church on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done on that cross. And this is an interesting statement. He said, I have been slaving all these years, not wanting to disobey you. And this son of yours... He declared that. Who squandered your wealth comes home and you gave him a fattened calf. The brother was right. That is the benefit of a son. And I'm not talking about here you becoming a prodigal son, trying to compromise. Okay, anyway, my father will forgive me, you know, right after I sin. That's not the whole point. Sin has its consequences. When the young son came back, guess what? He owned nothing anymore and everything is owned by the older son, but yet the status of sonship was restored. His identity before his father was restored. The relationship was restored. He would still eat on the same table with his father. 
and his brother. But yet, he lost his inheritance. You know, when we come before the Father, I believe that he's always looking for a heart of a son. Amen. It's the same Holy Spirit that reveals to us, you don't just have me dwelling inside of you. You have the spirit of adoption. You have the spirit of a son. You're no longer slaves, but you are now a son. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, you know, Paul used another analogy of a slave and a son. He used Romans to basically talk about the gospel. He used Galatians to remind the people to come back to the gospel. Remember last week we talked about Galatians chapter 3? You know, Galatians chapter 3 started off by who bewitched you? You started off in the spirit. Why are you now working in the flesh? If we get saved in the spirit, let's all continue in the spirit. And this is now talking about, you know, you know, not having the spirit of slavery. And he said this, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. You know, this is very Jewish in their culture. And though the young boy is the heir apparent of the whole estate of the father. How many of you know that the father will not just give the entire estate before the appointed time? He will ask guardians and trustees and you know uh, people who would guide the young until he is of age. There is rites of passage that you call the bar mitzvah that the Jews are observing. And once a young boy turns to 13, he now turns from boyhood to manhood. 13 years old. How many of you know that the Jews don't have teenagers? They don't have teenage years. There's no age of adolescence or sometimes confusion, right? You turn from boyhood to manhood. And so as a young man, you're called the son of commandment. You're given the task to, to read and to study the Torah and so on and so forth. By the way, even uh, girls are also uh, going through that rites of passage and you call it bat mitzvah, okay? Men are going through bar mitzvah. Verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved in the elementary principles of the world. We used to be slaves of sin. And that's what our past is. Slaves of the mindset of the world. Slaves of the principles of this world. Slaves of the patterns of this world. Well, the Apostle Paul is saying that you, know, you are no longer slaves. In verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law. So from slaves to adoption. Second is we are now adopted. We were redeemed from slavery. Second thing that we can, we can find in this text or the passage that we're studying right now is that you and I are not in limbo from slavery. We now become sons and daughters. Adoption is actually a parent-initiated activity. It does not come from the child. It comes from the adopting parents. It's the parents who will decide whom they will adopt and when they will adopt. It's not the decision of the child to volunteer. Can you adopt me? Although I'm hearing sometimes they want to volunteer. They be adopted in a nice rich family, okay? But that's different. Nowadays, we see adoptions of young children. Children that are maybe babies or toddlers, and parents would opt to adopt little children. But back in the day, in the Roman law and even in the first century, 
The nature of adoption, they would not adopt children. They would adopt grown-up men. They would adopt men who would actually be able to exercise their rights already. And when somebody is adopted into a family, he actually receives the full rights of a legitimate son. There's no discrepancy. You get the name, you get the inheritance, you get the rights, and you also get the responsibility. In fact, according to the history, the historian Josephus said that some Roman emperors would actually opt to adopt grown-up men in order for them to be given responsibilities to lead in some of the you know, cities or the provinces uh, in the Roman Empire. Okay? Galatians chapter 4, verse 45 uh, but when the fullness of time come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive what? Adoption as sons. Okay? Uh, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. What do you mean by Abba? Chiquitita, tell me what it's Abba is actually an Aramaic word which means Daddy. It is a very intimate term of endearment towards a father. Now, how many of you, you know, call your father's daddy? Okay? Or uh, how many of you call your father's uh, papa? Uh, that's also an intimate term, okay? Or how many of you call your father's, ano ba ibang term? Itay. Tatay. How many of you call him Erpat? Iba, iba talaga generation natin ngayon, ano? So, you know, when you talk about Abba, Abba is actually some, a term or a name towards God that Jesus started using to introduce to the people at that time. This was unheard of. In the Old Testament, the name Father was rarely used, although His very nature was a father. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, or 9, verse 6, uh, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Father, Prince of Peace. So that's in the Old Testament. But yet, when you look at the story of creation, the very first verse says, In the beginning, what? God. It didn't say, In the beginning, Dad. Or, In the beginning, Father. God wants to establish who He was in the Old Testament. In the beginning, God or Elohim. He was the one who created the heavens and the earth, okay? And Elohim said, let there be light. So that was his role. He was creator. In Genesis chapter 2, there was a sudden shift in the name of God. He was still God, but there's a new word that was added before God, and he is Lord God. You can check that in Genesis chapter 2, I think verse 5 or 6. And then Lord God. Lord means Yahweh, and it's a covenant-keeping God. The reason why from here on, His name is added into a Yahweh, it's because He started having a covenant with the people of God. He is a relational God. Amen. The moment that He created Adam and Eve, He added to His name not just Elohim, but He is Yahweh, the God who is in covenant with you. But yet, we know that He is establishing a relationship with His people, and eventually, when Jesus Christ was born here, that's His agenda. He wants to introduce His Father. He is your Father. He is not just my Heavenly Father. He is your Heavenly Father. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
Jesus did not say, my heavenly father will forgive you. He was saying, your heavenly father will forgive you. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father takes care after them. He was giving this new name to the people and they could not understand it because in the Old Testament, they thought that God is someone that they cannot approach and they're always walking on eggshell. They knew him as Yahweh. They knew him as El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. They knew him as Master, but they did not realize that ultimately he wants to reveal himself to us as a Father. And the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us understand our relationship with him as Father. How many of you know that God will never be too busy for us? You know, there might be so many things happening in the world out there. How many billions of people are right now in the world? Seven billion plus? And, you know, if each of them are praying to the Father, how many of you know that He has the capacity to hear every prayer? He is not like Bruce Almighty, you know, having this computer... Yes to all, you know. He knows how to answer our prayers. I was reminded of this picture, President JFK and his son JFK Jr. about the relationship of the son in the Oval Office. You know, his favorite playground is the Oval Office under the desk of the busiest man possibly during that time. Uh, you know, we had Cold War then. And, you know... He does not have to go to the secretary or the chief of staff of JFK to have an appointment. He would just barge in and say, I want to play. And this is my playground. And I want to play hide and seek. And so he would hide there under the table of his dad. Guess what? Even if his dad is having a cabinet meeting, he would still be under the table. Why is that? He may not have the status of a cabinet member or maybe chief of staff or you know, secretary of state, this and that. But his title, I believe, is higher than the other titles. His title is son. And he has the access to just come in. Guess what? Your title and my title before our Heavenly Father is child of God. Amen. Come on now. Can we give the Lord a praise for that? If we have this revelation of who God is, that if we are in trouble, guess what? We can cry out to God and say, God help. I am deep trouble. The problem is many times when you and I are in trouble, we tend to go away and run away from God as far as possible. Guess what? That is the mindset of a slave. The mentality of a son is someone who would go back to him and say, I need you. I need you here beside me. Please come back. I need you here to guide me. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 15 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You and I can always cry out to our Abba, Father, Daddy God. Dad, help. 
I'm sinking here, God, help. I'm having trouble in my marriage, help. I'm crying out. I'm longing for you. Help me in my business. Help me in my relationship. Help me in my emotional state. Help me in my physical sickness. Help me, God, help. Abba, Father, crying out for help. You know, from time to time, my younger daughters would come to the room in the middle of the night and would make me up and say, Dad, I'm scared. You know, just like LA, you know, talking about sometimes they're scared or sometimes they're feeling like they're sick, they have a stomach ache. You know, they would come to Daddy, even if I'm deep in my sleep. Wala kayong patawad mga anak. mapahinga. You know, they would not come to me and address me as, Oh, my father, senior pastor of Alabang, lead pastor of Akasha Service, you know, you who are so great, can I come before you because I am in need? You know, they would not come. They would just barge into my room, Daddy! Can you pray for me? You know, they would just be bold and they would ask me, they would cry out for help because they knew that I'm not going to just shoo them away. They would ask for help and they would get the help that they need. You know, my, you know, my children, even if they're guilty, and a lot of times they're guilty, <laughs> you know, uh, not obeying, how many of you know they would still have food on the table? They would still eat three times a day, sometimes even five times a day. You know, one time we were, actually, we just came from dinner, and I was driving back home from dinner, and my, my two younger daughters were saying, Dad, can we pass by McDonald's? And I said, What? We want shake, shake fries, and we want Sunday. And I said, uh, "Did you just have dinner?" Yes, but we want that. Pag nagano na wala ka ng choice, di ba? So I actually just turned and went through the drive-through. Even if we, as earthly dads, are not the perfect dads, how many of you know that we have a heavenly Father who loves us more? Come on now, than we love our children, and that's the Father that we serve. We can always come back to Him and say, Abba, Father, I'm in need of you right now. What's your longing before God? What are you crying out for? You know, back in the Old Testament, remember the story of Joseph? Joseph, the dreamer, he went there to uh, Egypt because he was sold as a slave. And so he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. Eventually, he was given favor because, you know, uh, he gave them wisdom to save up. The Pharaoh gave them favor and said, I'm going to give you the best of the land. You're going to live in Goshen. And so he took his entire family. He took, you know, Jacob and all the brothers, 70 and all, and they lived there. After 400 years, a new Pharaoh came up. They became so many. And this new Pharaoh is asking, who are these guys? They're not even Egyptians. And so they made the Israelites into slaves. And so they oppressed them. And the more they were oppressed, the more they, they multiplied you know, before the Lord. You know, one particular verse that we can look at here in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, when they were being persecuted and when they were being exploited by their slave masters, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. They groaned and they cried. Have you ever tried groaning before the Lord? You know what is a groan. Ugh. Sometimes you can't express it in words. You're in deep pain and agony. And guess what? 
just because of this groaning from the Israelites, God already considered that as a prayer coming from them. They didn't even, uh, you know, talk to them, to God intelligibly. They were just groaning and they were just going through a difficulty. And because of this, God heard their prayers and he sent Moses. What is the groaning of your heart? We see the same word in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Not only in the creation, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly. Same meaning, sighing, groaning inwardly as we eagerly await for the adoptions of sons, the redemption of our body. What are you groaning for? What are you longing for? The Father is waiting. The Father wants to hear you. You may be in trouble right now, but yet he wants to approach, he wants to approach him as a heavenly father. In fact, Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Our master in heaven. No. How do we pray? Our Father in heaven. He didn't say, you know, O King, or you know, just say Dad, Abba. Talk to him as your regular father. We have been given the rights, and I want to close with this as heirs. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You know, your adoption as son means that you also have the rights and the privileges that is attached to sonship, which is you are part of God's family and you are now an heir. You will receive an inheritance from God himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are Children of God, you're rich. Okay? You're rich in God. You are precious. You know, of all the creation, God has put you on top. The thing about God is, He's got no grandchildren. He has children. He's the father. He's not a grandfather, by the way. He only has kids. And He has the capacity to make everybody His favorite. You are favored by God and you are God's favorite. Look at the person, I tell the person, you are God's favorite. From time to time, I'm asked by my children, Dad, who's your favorite? You know, my younger two daughters, who's your favorite, Dad? You know, of course I'm the favorite, said Anna. No, I'm the favorite, said Anna, because, you know, I look, I look at my dad, something like that. I said, you know, Anna, you are my favorite second daughter. And Andre, you are my favorite youngest daughter. But for God, he has no problem saying, you are my favorite, you are my favorite, you are my favorite, you are my favorite because everybody, all of us, are God's favorite. Amen? We are all heirs in Christ. Whatever Christ has, you and I will get it. And these are the things that we have in Christ. Identity. I would say identity. Once we were not a people, now we are a family of God. We have a community that we can belong in. Status. Once you and I were slaves, now you and I are children of God. We're no longer slaves. Yes, we serve Him. Yes, we're disciples of Jesus. But our mindset and our mentality is that you can come to the Lord not because of you trying to please Him, performing and doing things for Him because Jesus already has paid the price and He already has you know, perform the perfect record for us. And what we're saying is, Lord, thank you that now I am a son of God and I can receive all the rights and privileges belonging to this status, position in Christ. Before you were 
you and I were guilty before Him. Now we're made righteous and holy because of what Jesus Christ did. And relationship is the last. As a slave, you used to live in fear and anxiety and depression. Now we can be freed from this. And we can come before our Father without guilt and say, thank you for accepting me. Thank you for adopting me. For accepting me just as I am. And you're the one who's changing me constantly. The Holy Spirit ultimately, oh sorry, in, in John chapter 1 verse 12, to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. When you're married, you decide on having children, however many they are, that's like a human decision, a human will. But when you talk about the spiritual birth, this is not because of what we can do. This is not because of the will that we can express. I want to be born again. No, you cannot do that. It is God-ordained. It is brought about to us by the Holy Spirit. It is God-initiated. We are born of God. You can never manufacture the spiritual birth that we have. And we are adopted ultimately in His family. And the Holy Spirit assures us of our identity as children of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, just a reminder of how God looks at us. The Bible says, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You and I are children of God, born out of the love that God has given to us. So much love coming from His heart. You know, maybe some of us are having a difficulty have viewing God for who He is our, as our Heavenly Father because of what we have gone through with our earthly dads. And I understand that maybe our earthly dads are not Christians, not believers, and they don't know how to raise us up. Maybe we were raised up in a home that is like very abusive uh, verbally, physically, or maybe our dad was simply not there. They abandoned us. They're no longer there. They're not there. Or maybe they were there, but they're not engaging. It's like they're even better to be out than they're there because they're not talking to us. As every eye is closed, every head bowed, if you need healing and if you need to forgive your father, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and I believe that God wants to bring healing and restoration in your heart. So if you're that person, would you kindly lift up your hand and acknowledge, God, I need you right now. I need you to help me to forgive my dad. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? You can just lift it up and then put it down. Lift it up before the Lord and then put it down. Lord, I need your help. Just put it up and then put it down. Lord, I need you as my Abba Father. Give me help to release my father even right now. If you raise up your, uh, of your hand and you've gone through maybe a traumatic uh, experience with your father, I want you to just under your breath, just release your father even right now. Just say, God, I forgive. I forgive and I release my dad from the past sins, how I was raised. Sometimes I cannot come before you because of the picture that I have with an earthly father who is harsh, who is violent, who is, you know, whatever, uh, who's not there, who's absent. Fill in the blanks and say, Lord, I release him right now. I bless him, God.
And I pray, God, that you'd even touch his heart even right now as I release him. I pray, God, that he would be saved in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your healing that you're doing in the hearts of the people even right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you will bring about healing in the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Just receive the healing right now. Just deep briefly in your, in your, in your heart. Just receive it right now. Thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing about a freshness, a freshness of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, forgive, to release in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Maybe some of us are like the older or the younger son. Maybe we've been trapped by the things of the world. Maybe we're still slaves of things. Maybe guilt, fear, sin, temptation. Or maybe you're like the elder brother who is a slave, who has a slave mentality. Just before the Lord, I want you to just come before Him right now and say, God, renew my view of you as my heavenly Father. In fact, can we all just lift up our hands all together? I believe that there might be some areas in our life that we're guilty. There might be some areas that we are trapped. There might be some areas that we are still enslaved. Father God, I just pray that you would take charge and be, you know, permeate the, the chambers of our heart even right now. We make room, Lord God, before the spirit of sonship. We thank you, Lord God, that you will come in into every area of our life, God, and bring about healing, bring about freedom, bring about freedom from bondage, bring about redemption from slavery in the name of Jesus. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, God. And we declare even right now that you would cut off, Lord God, the slavery spirit in the name of Jesus, an orphan spirit. We break it right now in the name of Jesus and release the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, Lord God. Breathe afresh into your people's life, Lord God. Just like you have breath into Adam, Lord God, may you breathe into your church even right now the breath of life, a breath of the spirit of sonship, God, a spirit of adoption to come upon us that we will live as sons and daughters of God to know our status, our identity, our, 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 our relationship before you, God, and our rights as children, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. That, Lord, from this place, that your blessing will come upon your people, God. We will cry out to you, Abba, Father, every single day. That we will learn to, Lord, be bold, Lord, in our approach with you, knowing that you will always come before us, welcome us into your oval office, so to speak. Thank you, Lord God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you peace. May the love of our heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen.